All right, I'll record you. Welcome back, Chewy. Hey, hello. How's it going? Not too bad. You? I am loving life, brother. Yeah, I can tell. It's like you're in a hot tub, you know, got a stogie and a drink. I mean, the only thing even better is uh, if all of a sudden your old lady comes up from the surface and goes, <gasps> <laughs> Well, she's that broken. Probably not tonight. So. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you're breaking up a little bit, but hopefully that'll, yeah. that'll behave nicely. So, yeah, I, uh, when I was kind of looking through some of the uh, uh, some of the uh, uh, topics we could go over, one of the first things that I was thinking was um, the assault weapons ban came, and I just fucking died laughing because I remember I don't know which show it was, but I remember talking about it, and I'm like, this is what's going to happen. And almost word for word for word, the only thing I didn't predict was he was going to stay his own, um, his his own uh, stay. So basically, what he's saying is he says, "Hey, in 30 days, if you guys don't get your shit together, meaning the state of California, this is the way it's going to be." And knowing that, and so I was yeah. looking, and uh, I, I there's a guy online. He's he's named the Arm Scholar, and he's really really good. But he, uh, I was like, why is that? Well, he's this guy, this arm scholar, is a real attorney in California, and uh, and he said the reason why is because he's basically forcing them to to work in a certain way because before they would just come out, we need an emergency stay, and oh my God, the sky's falling, blah blah blah, and then they would get it because California's full of a bunch of pussies. So he did it in such a way that basically took that you know, cut that out from underneath them. So I was like, all right, good for you. And of course, uh, all the politicians in California are losing their fucking minds, which I died laughing because they're like, oh my God, this is going to be horrible. The sky is falling, all that shit. And I'm like, good, fuck you, right? Because my first, whenever I see a politician trying to take people's gun rights, my first thing is, what are you doing that you're so afraid that a citizen who has a gun is going to do? Because all your arguments are all bullshit, right? Are you doing some shit that you're worried that somebody's going to find out you're doing some shit and they're going to shoot you for it? Which I'm like, yeah, great. You know, these things happen, you know? See, no real gun owner is going to do that, though. No, they aren't. Well, so... And that's what I never understood about all these arguments is... What's the statistic for how many crimes are committed by CHL holders? That's oh, like zero. Yeah, it's, it's basically zero, yeah. Zero. In fact, uh, that's one thing I was talking with my old lady because my old lady's from Canada, right? So she's very not guns and all that kind of shit, you know. And mm -hmm. it wasn't that she was a, a, against guns; it's just she never really was exposed to it and whatever. But when you framed it from the perspective of, "Hey, I'm gonna use these guns to protect us and our children," then all of a sudden it was like, "Oh, okay, cool." And so I read through the. Uh, um, read through the uh the uh what's it called the uh the decision that a judge did and he made california say how many assault weapons are in california it's 189,000, right so yeah and those are legally compliant guns right and so basically people were saying you know if there's 189,000, then you have no argument because if you have 189,000 in here and they were legitimately a dangerous weapon, you would have way higher bad guy stuff. So you got somebody coming in your backyard there. See you kind of peeking. I need to take care of my dog for a minute. Right, I'm you gonna take care of your dog. Go do your thing, brother. So I'll just chat. 
you know. So anyway, um, so basically what the, the judge said was you have the, to the state, you have 30 days to appeal. Otherwise, it will automatically mean that um, assault weapons will become legal in the state of California. Now, um, the state has already said they're going to appeal, blah, blah, blah. Here's what's going to happen. It's going to go to a three-judge panel, just like it was a magazine ban. The three-judge panel is going to say, yep, uh, assault weapons bans are unconstitutional. Then the state is going to freak out again. They're going to hold a press conference. They're going to bring everybody up and they're going to bring up, you know, clearly emotionally manipulative bullshit. They're going to like, here is this poor woman who had, whose son was shot and killed because of a monster. And they're going to make you think, oh my God, these things, the sky is falling. Like I was saying, however, the three judge panel will say, no, no, no. This is clearly unconstitutional. It will then go to a, uh, an en banc panel. The en banc panel will likely say, no, 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 the, the assault weapons ban is unconstitutional, blah, blah, blah. It'll then go to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court is going to say, we're going to take those cases because now that they have a six to three majority, they're going to start taking cases. They're going to take the assault weapons ban. They're going to take the magazine ban. They're going to take the ammo background check. They're going to take all these cases. So in the next three to five years, that's what's going to happen, my prediction. Now, if I'm right, um, I think I should pick up a couple of lottery tickets, have a grand old time, blah, 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 blah. So dog, dog acting up? No, we're all good. Yeah? Just had to take care of Ruger for a few minutes there, sorry. Yeah, my dog. Uh, um, and he gets the zoomies where he just runs in the yard barking. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, mine does too. He's like, we're going to have some fun, ah, you know. Yeah, my dog yesterday, my, my old lady, my, my dog, I got a pit bull. She was a fighting dog. Um, and she, like, they, they had her in a cage fighting other dogs, just nasty fucking existence. And when she was no longer useful, they just dropped her off at a Walmart parking lot. She weighed 20 fucking pounds. And they, you know, you could see her ribs and all that shit. We saw her, we're, we took pity on her. We're like, I hey, you know what, we're going to go ahead and, you know, we're going to take care of her. So she... If you get her around kids, she's fine. The kids can do really dumb kid shit, pull on her ears, pull on her tail. Obviously I smack an ass for that, but the dog's just like, they're kids, they don't know any better, whatever. She sees another dog, she will lose her fucking mind. Like I'm gonna kill this thing. Just like immediately switches. And so you gotta calm her down. No, 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 you're fine. Well, we've had her 11 years. So, or not 11 years, probably closer to seven or eight, but she's 11 now. Well, because she's getting up there in age, my lady was like, we should throw a birthday party. I'm like, a birthday party for a dog. Okay, fine. It was just one fun little thing she wanted to do. So she made like cupcakes and all that kind of shit. And uh, the uh, neighbor kids all came over. There's probably about 10 of them. And they're, you know, laughing, joking, having a good time. And we're like, we're talking about off air. There's this one across the street. So this guy's life is a fucking mess. So couple of things one when the guy first moved in he was really trying to impress that he was a super smart guy and he's like hey i'm into crypto you ever hear of crypto and i'm like yeah dude what do you, what do you want to know and like he was trying to like he was he was being um like he was trying to you know basically you know thump his chest a little bit and so mm -hmm. as he was talking to us come to find out he's with this girl sort of who Basically, she just kind of uses him to take care of the kids and she goes off and fuck other dudes and whatever. 
oh, I know it's a fucking mess, dude. And he's like, well, you know, I just like being a dad and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, you're being a dad to kids that aren't fucking yours. What the fuck are you doing? Right. So immediately I'm like, you're a giant pussy, right? Fine. You want to be a giant pussy, but that's your business. Right. So apparently come to find out, cause my old lady uh, talks a little bit more. She tells me that the biological father of the five-year-old girl uh, who was coming around and, you know, playing with my boy and all that was molested and her father's been in jail for at least four years. I have no idea how much he has left. And to me, I'm just like, if you're fucking around with kids, you're a monster, bury you under the prison, put two in the back of your head kind of guy, right? You know, yeah. I'm not one of those kind of guys. It's like, well, you know, it's a sickness. And then, no, no, no. The flu is a sickness. <laughs> it's like, nah, yes. I don't think things out right. Only ones that I even remotely give slight quarter to are the guys that will say, listen, I haven't done anything with anybody. I haven't said anything. I have nothing, but I can feel these urges. I need help. And I'm like, okay, I'll give you a little bit of credit there. Past that though, you're a fucking monster. Put two in the back of your head, you know? But um, anyway, so my, uh, I, I, I don't know if, did I ever tell that story about uh, my uh, cousin's adopted kid who got busted? You no, I don't think so. Oh my God, dude. You got to fucking hear this, right? Oh. So, I'm going to use his real name. Fuck him. So his name is Mikey, right? Mikey, um, he's a black kid. Uh, he was adopted by my cousin, right? My cousin, she's every bit far left, Karen type, you know, yeah, she's really annoying. I love her, but she's annoying as fuck, right? So... <clears throat> He's growing up. He seems like a normal kid. Everything's great. Everything's fine, whatever. And then he turns 18. And I don't know why, but he got uh, he got a $10,000 settlement. I don't know if it was like a car crash or one of his parents died. Or For some reason, he got 10 grand, right? And I pulled him aside. And this is, guy. this is like 2012, I think, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I pulled him aside. I'm like, listen, dude, you're, you're, you're given something that a lot of people aren't. You're giving it, you're getting a head start in life. Take that money invest that money. I'm happy to sit down with you, figure out something. And if you don't know what to invest in, we'll toss it in an index fund and you just leave it there until you figure out what you want to do in life. Great. And what's this dumb motherfucker do? He goes out and he buys himself a car with course higher $10,000. And I'm like, listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bust your chops. You did something stupid. We, I know I would have done the same thing. I'm like what the fuck does he know? You know, I'm going to go buy me a new car. I can have shit now. Yeah. So fast forward, Mikey's, uh, he's doing his thing. You know, and he's just barely making it, you know, working some, you know, piece of shit, burger flipping job, you know, mating with like five roommates, you know, standard young kid shit. So fast forward, uh, I see him at my other cousin's daughter's wedding. This is about five-ish years ago. And I see him. And at this point, he had already joined the National Guard because he had said, hey, listen, I kind of don't know what I want to do. Because um, I told him, you know, if you don't know what to do, go to community college, get your associates, get some prereqs out of the way, do some basics, you can kind of figure things out. Totally good game plan. And he said, you know what, I, I took it a step further. I joined the National Guard because it'll help give me some discipline, it'll help give me some structure, it'll help me pay for college. And I'm like, hey, solid plan, dude. Proud of you. You're a great kid. So I see him at the daughter's um, wedding, and I see him and he's nervous. And I'm like, the fuck is going on 
And I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. Don't think anything of it. He's, he's always been a kind of a skinny little jittery kid anyway. Hug him. Hey, how you doing, kid? You doing all right? Yeah, yeah, great. All right, cool. Nice seeing you again, right? Great. So a couple days go by and my cousin, who's the father of the daughter, calls me up and says, hey, I need to talk to you right now. And I'm like, ooh, some shit's going down. He doesn't talk to me that way. Normally it's like, hey, how the fuck are you? He says, I need to talk to you right now. And then you need to be by yourself. I'm like, great, shoot. He says, Mikey was arrested. And I'm like, okay, what for? And I'm, he's a dumb 20 year old kid, right? I'm thinking assault, maybe something stupid, breaking into cars, you know, whatever. He says, um, uh, what was it? it was basically the, the equivalent of statutory rape, right? And I'm like, okay, okay. And I'm going through my head, right? And I'm like, all right, this is the only chance he's going to get. Now he's, I think he's like 19 or 20, somewhere in this range, right? And I'm thinking, I go, how old was the victim, the girl, right? And in my head, I'm like, okay, if he's at a party and I'm kind of going through scenarios that might make it okay. Like he's at a party, you know, it's a 21 and over party and he sees a girl, he sees her, she turns out to be 15. Okay, you're yep. stupid, you're gonna go to jail but you're not, you're not a fucking monster. And he goes, she was eight. And I'm like, Oh, you're dead to me. Like, it's not even a question. Like I just flipped the switch in my head, fuck him, send his ass to jail, never see him again. And so I go, tell me what happened. So he went to this girl's house that he was babysitting. And apparently he was like, you know, feeling her up and French kissing her. And her father came in and I'm going, and he, Mikey's still alive because I know for me, I catch a 20 year old dude, French kissing my eight year old. You're going through a fucking window at a minimum. <laughs> and then when the police show up, they're like, what the fuck happened? He's a bloody mess with multiple broken bones. Like, I don't know. I think he tripped. <laughs> yeah, he, he tripped going through the window. I'm, yeah, I told him not to go out that way. The door was right next to oh, me. Yeah, I was. I don't know what happened. And the thing was that I, me and my cousin were both in the same agreements. It was like, he is fucking dead to us. Fuck him, right? So Genius gets caught, leaves before the father can get his hands on him, which I'm like, ooh, he's better be like running like Michael Lewis. Runs. And he's like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And it's like, yeah, of course you don't know what to fucking do. Your, your life is over, dude. So he, I forget who he told, but he told somebody and that somebody told him, you need to go talk to your commanding officer at the National Guard now. So he went. And when he did that, the person that said you need to go talk to him knew that anybody that he tells at the National Guard is basically a must responder. So they have to report hey, this is what's going on. They can't just like listen, deal with it quietly. No, he's got to go. So he gets arrested, million dollars worth of bond, worth of bail. And I'm like, oh my God, there are murderers who don't get that high of bail. He got hit with four counts because two other girls came out who were like nine, 10, some shit like that. And I'm like, oh, fuck him, right? Because then he couldn't play the, well, it was a one-time thing. It was a taboo of it all. It was some bullshit excuse. So he uh, goes on trial. He gets convicted. He's He got a 10-year sentence. I think he's like four or six years in, something like that. He's, he's basically halfway through. Um, and he's up. There's a prison, and I didn't even know this. So you know the state of Washington, how it's shaped 
kind of like mm -hmm. this, you know, right? You got your, you got that little dip where Seattle is and it kind of goes up. Okay, where it goes up, right where Vancouver is, you know, in British Columbia, right at the very tip, just the tip, <laughs> right at the very tip, there's a prison right there. Apparently that's where a lot of the sex offenders and shit like that go. So me and my cousin were talking with the other cousin who's the, you know, stepmother. And we're like, listen, he's fucking dead to us. Fuck him. And she was like, I can't believe you would just turn your back on somebody like that. And of course I go, she was eight. And she's like, well, I understand that, you know, and she starts making all these excuses. I'm like, no, 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 no. I, the girl is not related to us in any way. I don't know the girl. I don't know the father. I don't know anybody but she's fucking eight. That is what's critical to me. So it's like, fuck you, dude, you're dead to me. So when he gets out, eventually, he's got basically nobody because his, his stepmom, my cousin, who's, you know, kind of the, well, you know, uh, I, she's, she's forgiving-ish, but it's wow. like, listen, you're not gonna be able to get a job or very, very least you're gonna get a job that either won't do a background check or, is like such a shit paying job you're gonna be working at mcdonald's the rest of your fucking life Two, most of the family i'd say probably 90 95 percent of the family has basically wiped their hands of them they're like listen you were you were a young man you had your life ahead of you you were super nice and polite and the whole nine and you're a fucking monster fuck you so yeah he's he's uh i, I don't know if i ever told that one or not uh, how's work <laughs> <laughs> I, think you told a, I think you told a short did I? yeah no dude it's oh that's yeah there there's not many i'm totally pro the death penalty me too but i also think there's not many things that it should apply to but that's definitely one of them i actually found out probably about five years that's, ago, oh. and i didn't know this the death penalty used to apply for a lot of things besides murder it used to be like you know, horse stealing and shit like that. Oh yeah, way back when. So the, there was a Supreme Court decision that said yep. you now have to make it murder only. And I'm like, oh, did not know that. So, so what's new and exciting on yeah. your end? Well, so poor um, my wife accidentally fractured her ankle two weeks ago. Yeah. Doing what? So I've been trying to help her, and she's a guard that I don't use laptop touch. Sorry. What's that? Oh, am I breaking up? A little bit. I wonder if you'd be better off uh, off of Wi-Fi and just going off of your cell. I've tried that. Does it, does it suck? Yeah, a little bit. Well, of course, if you just turn off video, maybe that helps too, because then you're not sending and receiving all that data back and forth. Oh, yeah. How'd I do that? I think you just did. Because I don't see you anymore. Oh. Okay. Good. No, hold on. One second. There we go. Okay. Let's try this. All right, cool. So, no, so my wife broke her ankle a couple weeks ago. Right. Which really bad especially because it didn't have you know like a kick-ass motorcycle story or something to go with it right <laughs> um so i've just been trying to help her around the house and stuff right um, work's going good keeping yeah. busy 
Yeah, my uh, yeah, uh I get to take the dog for all of his walks and stuff. Right. Oop, Daluja. Nope, I'm there. There you go. Okay, go ahead. I lost your video feed. Oh yeah, I turned it off just to see if it would help you. No. Yeah, mm -hmm. my yeah, so no, I've been taking Ruger. So I don't know if I told you, but our dog is deaf. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, so we we got him brand, you know, brand new. Um, right. he was a newborn, we got him at like eight weeks, and we didn't realize it at the time, but yeah, he's deaf as a doornail. He can be sleeping, dude, and you can like vacuum right next to him. Oh wow. Or, you know, clink pots and pans. Um, we even tried to dog whistle. Just uh, another you know, Yeah, it's kind of sad, but he's he's right. learning hand signals. All right. And, um, he's a good little guy overall. We named him Ruger after the uh, firearm manufacturer. Right, <laughs> right. Rightfully so. so. Yeah. <clears throat> but no, we've been staying busy and stuff. So. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, my former boss at uh, at uh, where you work is uh, he buzzed me here a couple of days ago. And he's like, Ooh. "Hey, got a couple of questions for you. You know, can you remember if we did X, Y, and Z?" And I'm like, "Dude, I covered all this." It's like Jesus Christ, man! You keep calling me and asking me for things. I'm gonna start sending you a bill. You should, hey. You know, consultants get good money. Yes, they do. Yeah, mm. I, I get the feeling that he doesn't realize that he was the reason why I left. No one in that position does, dude. Yeah. They, well, they think they walk on water. Oh, of course. And the thing was, is that, you know, if he was just a little nicer and, you know, backed me up when shit went sideways or anything like that, I think I'd probably still be there. But, you know, when he turned on me with all the stupid shit I've talked about before, it was like, nah, you know, you're basically, you know, planning my exit and I'd rather leave on my own terms, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I did, uh, I did talk to my, um, my real estate broker for the, uh, uh, for the club. Oh was, yeah. How's that going? So I talked to him and I said, Hey man, you know, where are we at with this? Right. You know, I'm not trying to be a dick, but you know, hurry the fuck up. Right. And he says, yeah, he says, he says, I'm 99% sure this is going to go through right now. Um, he's concentrating on getting a bunch of things, you know, dialed in and he's still a little upset. And I go, well, what's he upset about? He says, Oh no, he's not upset with you. He says he's upset with the bank. And he says, and he knows he's kind of in a precarious position because if he um, decides to pull it and put it back on the market, he says, you're the only one that gave him a real offer. You know, he says, you're giving him asking price. You're not asking for anything really un, you know, unreasonable, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. And said, so he says, you ever have something where, uh, you plan it out down to the T and you're like, all right, this should happen by this time. This should happen by this time. You get, you be all these plans and all of a sudden something goes sideways. I go, yeah. And he says, and you get all pissed off. You're like this motherfucker. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh yeah. How did it happen all the time? He's like, yeah, that's basically where he's at right now. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well nudge him. So I need, cause I need an answer. Right. And he says, oh yeah, yeah. No worries. No worries. He says, I should know probably next week, maybe week after. And that was I think last week. So my assumption is I'll know either this coming week or maybe the week after. Um, I, I I would be hard pressed to believe that um, that he wouldn't say yes, just because he's basically getting everything that he wants. And all he has to do is wait another like 60, 90 days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Plus, you know, um, I was, uh, oh, I did find out one thing. 
my main competitor. Uh, and I'll tell you the, the place offline, but uh, the main competitor um, does bigger name comics, right? Big time guys who will fill, you know, a, a larger area, you know, cost a little bit more money, blah, blah, blah. Um, they are a little bit more on a kind of a different tier, but you know, they're, they're there. And uh, I decided to research them a little bit, come to find out a third of all of their reviews are, oh man, I love the comics. I miss this guy. He was so great, blah, 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 blah. But my God, the service is just fucking shit. <laughs> so that made me feel better. Basically, it sounds like what they're doing is they're running the place with as few um, employees as possible to kind of squeeze out that much more money from people. And I'm like, yeah, you can't do that. You know, sooner or later, you know, people are going to go, yeah, I could go see, you know, Joey Diaz or, you know, Kyle Kinane or, you know, a bigger comic. Um, but if I'm going to go there and I go to a place that I know has shit service and they're going to want me to have a two item minimum, why the fuck am I going? You know, I'll just watch their YouTube videos. So is your competitor there, is it like a national chain or an individual? It's, I, would, it's, I wouldn't say it's a chain. They have uh, a handful of clubs dotted all over the United States. Um, but basically, like, you know how here in Portland, how we have uh, Harvey's and we have Helium? I've heard you talk about them, yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of the same thing. So they're both comedy clubs, but they're both kind of, you know, serving a different type of audience. They're more Helium. I'm more Harvey's. Um, but that said, I want to get to where they're at either by building up my existing one or offering to buy them out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just then that way, you know, I like having no competitors if at all possible, <laughs> not to say that I don't, uh, I just, like, <laughs> screw people or anything like that, but knowing that I have a stranglehold on a market, you know, makes me feel a lot more safe, I guess is a lack of a better word. Yeah. But I mean, a true monopoly is never good. Mm-hmm. Uh, a comp competition to me is a good thing as long as it's a fair competition yeah i mean i can i can see that i'm just kind of looking at it from the perspective of you know if i've got it from everything from open mic all the way up to you know like a named person then you know uh you know because here, here's my 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 underlying worries has actually nothing to do with the business itself my underlying worry is at some point in time the comedy club is going to take up so much of my time, I won't be able to have a full-time job, right? And so if I ever get to that point, I want to know that if I do leave, you know, um, you know, my full-time job to go do this, to do this full-time, then, um, then I'm not having to worry about having to go back to being in IT. And so, because when you're in the IT world, if you leave for, let's say you leave for like five years, right? And then you come back all of a sudden, you know, the, the technology has continued on and you're basically left in the dust. Yeah, but you're a tech guy already. Don't you kind of keep up on it? Just a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But there's a lot of things that I wouldn't keep up on if, um, if I wasn't doing that as part of a job. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like, um, like there would be some things I would, but so like camera systems, point of sale systems, um, you know, uh, email systems, you know, the basics, fine. But when you get into like nuancey stuff that like an actual enterprise would run, probably not. Uh, and I could probably jump back in if I really, really needed to. But I'm kind of looking at it from the perspective of, you know, if I'm gonna do it, which I am 99.9% .9 sure I will. Um, it's just a matter of if this deal goes through or not. Um, 
if uh, if this does go through, I want to know that once I kind of let go of that one branch, I've got a firm gramps, grasp on the next branch, so to speak. Yep. Yeah. But well, you huh? got your you've got your other real estate properties though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Relatively good money too, though. So yeah, yeah. Like my apartment two, building is probably. Oh, what? Sorry. You've got like two things going. Oh yeah, yeah. My apartment building um, probably has another month or two before it's really starting to fire on all cylinders because um, they've got some they got to finish up a couple of renovations but once those are done i should gross or i should net roughly i want to say like four grand forty five hundred a month something like that so i mean if i needed to live off of that i could um it would suck but i could um and then of course you know if you got like the comedy clubs and all that other kind of stuff you know i think you know all in all i would be definitely be fine it's just, you know, it's, I think it's that security blanket, so to speak. Um, I, I think a perfect example was I worked at this tiny, tiny little nonprofit about 10 years ago. And I was making all of 50 grand a year. And I was going through my divorce um, from my ex. And I really was, I had $10,000 in my bank account. And that was it. And my full-time job. And I was pulling in 2,300 a month after taxes, after everything. And, uh, my house payment was 1750. So I'm just barely, barely making it. And then I looked at my budget and I come to find out I wasn't barely making it. I was actually losing $500 a month. And so went to my boss and said, listen, I love you guys. I really do, but I need a raise. I need 500 bucks a month. And they came back, even after telling them the whole story, they came back and they gave me $350 a month, gross, not net. And I'm like, oh my God, I gotta leave, right? But I was perfectly fine sitting in my happy little rut there for the rest of my career I it's just you get you get in, a, in like a comfort zone and you go well it's working if I keep my head down I can keep my job and I can do this and blah 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 and if I had sat there you know I, I'd still be where I'm at now but I wouldn't have I would have no rentals I'd have no new toys I wouldn't have anything so it's it's just getting out of that comfort zone I think is where my next you know uh hurdle is I guess yeah comfort zone can be really dangerous in the long run oh totally totally yeah because right now i mean i'm i'm comfortable like if, if i got fired today I, I i'm comfortable i can have another job in six weeks you know it's just there's there's so much pent-up demand for what i do and there's so many companies i could do it for and the fact that now people are saying hey we could do remote work now i i've no doubt in my mind i could get another job but it's I'm not wanting to have another job. It's I'm wanting to kind of take that next step in, you know, making a real, you know, leap, I guess, so to speak. And if this guy's club deal goes through, then I can look at it from the perspective of, okay, now I'm running my own business. Now I'm, you know, making money and I have the potential to make even more money, like light years more money than I'm making now. Yep. Cause I remember, um, I forget who it was. Somebody had told me, you know, you'll never get rich working for somebody else. Nope. Yeah. You never. No, I, I used to work at the uh, welding shop with the guy and he started his own welding business. Right. So I'm, I went and visited with him for a while. I'm like, dude, more power to you. I'm so glad you had the balls to do it. Oh, sure. And, and I also have that nagging thing in the back of my head is, you know, listen, you know, you got, you got an old lady, you got, uh, you got kids, you know, you're, you're responsible for this. So you got to make sure that everything is solid. And so 
I think that if I didn't have those underlying responsibilities, I might have made a, a, a change quicker. But I don't know that for sure because I just kind of stumbled upon the the comedy club, you know. And that was just simply because I was, um, uh, like I say, I was on that uh, that guy. I don't know if I ever told you about how I found that. So there's a uh, a guy online. Uh, he does this uh, thing where he shows all the businesses that he runs, and it's called Investment Joy, and he runs um car washes and laundromats and he's really interesting and he just talks about you know what it's like to really run a business and as he's talking through it he flashes real fast in one of the uh one of his uh videos of a website that sells businesses and sure as shit there it is and i look and i'm like all right great you know i jump on the website happen to look and happen to come across the comedy club and it happens to be in a state that i have um that I have investments already. So I already have a relationship with the bank. I already have a relationship with local people, blah, blah, blah. Hey, so question for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. How's commercial real estate compared to residential like you've been purchasing? So, good question. Um, so you bought a house before, right? You own your house, right? We are going to have it paid off next year. We only owe like 45 grand on it and I'm nice. 35 years old. Nice. Look at you. Congratulations. That is very difficult to do. And it sucks too, because you know, you're, 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 you're paying, you're paying, you're paying. And all of a sudden you go, man, you know, if I just don't pay extra this month, I could go buy this shiny toy. Good for you though, man. That's, that's nice. Well, um, you can thank my that. What's that? Thank my wife, because I'd be buying the shiny toy. <laughs> and the whole time, you're like, but baby, you, you can see this right here. And she's like, no, we are paying the house off. And he's like, God damn it. All right, fine. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so when you bought your house, right, you, how much did you put down percentage wise? Ballpark. I don't remember the percentage, but the house was 165 and we put down, I think about 20 or 25. Okay. So you put down less than, less than 20%. So, yes. okay, perfect. So in the residential side of things, you can put down less than 20%. However, when, we're just assuming buying a house, right? Standard buying house. <clears throat> when you buy a house, they want they want to be way up your ass about all your financial stuff, right? We want to know your debt to income ratios. We want like 60 days of your, of your uh, bank statements. We want um, if, if like, let's say her dad decided he was going to kick down a couple of bucks to help you with a down payment, they're going to want to see that in there. And they're going to want a letter from him saying it's a gift and blah, blah, all this other extra shit. Right. And if you put down less than 20%, you got to have mortgage insurance, right? Yep. So, all that shit is just when you're just buying a house as a regular run-of-the-mill Joe Schmo. In the commercial side of things, it is way different. First off, less than 20% down doesn't happen at all. Now, I'm going to call it kind of split this. There's a regular run-of-the-mill commercial loan, and then there's what's known as an SBA loan, which is a small business administration. I'll talk about the commercial side, and I'll talk about the SBA. So on the commercial side of things, 20% down, period no getting around it. You got to come at them and you got to come at them with cash, right? Now they don't give a fuck where that cash came from. All right. So I find a million dollar piece of property, which I have done. And I go to them and I say, Hey, listen, I want to, I want to buy this piece of property. They only care about the, the cash flow of that building. Right. So let's say I'm going to go buy 
I don't know, a Burger King, right? If I'm going to go buy a Burger King, well, that's a bad example. Uh, let's say I want to buy an apartment building for a million bucks. They're going to look at the cash flow. They're going to look at uh, how many people are in it. They're going to take a look at the building, make sure it's in decent shape, you know, standard shit, right? But I can go and get that million dollar loan if I'm making, say, $100,000 a year, right? Now, if I was going to buy a million dollar home for me personally, there'd be no way I would qualify for that, right? They would just look at me and go, get the fuck out of here. You can't afford this. But because it's commercial and it's generating cash, they can say, yes, it's generating cash. Now, they have a thing called a DSCR, which is a debt service uh, coverage ratio. What that means is that for, let's say, all your expenses are a thousand bucks, right? Typically they have a DSCR of 1.2. So if your expenses are a thousand dollars a month, they want you to be pulling in 1200 a month, right? Simple. And this is all boiled down, super simplified. There's a bunch of nuancey shit, but you got to get the gist, right? So that's for standard commercial real estate, right? If you're buying an apartment building or anything like that, anything five units and above is automatically considered a uh, commercial loan. You cannot get a conventional loan for, you know, a five unit or 10 unit, right? Everything up, up to a quadplex or a fourplex, you can buy as a, um, as a conventional, right? All of those things come into play, right? If your credit score is good um, and you got the cash, they don't care. If you called me up and you said, hey, dude, um, there's this building, I want to buy it. Um, but I don't want to be involved. I'm just going to cut you a $200,000 check. You can cut me a $200,000 check all day long and I can put it in my bank tomorrow and I'll be on the phone with the bank on uh, Tuesday saying, let's make a deal. They see that I got the cash. We're walking out the door, right? On the conventional side of things, they would have a bunch of questions. Well, is that a loan? So that's commercial. On the SBA side of things, it's actually been a learning experience for me because I've never done an SBA. I've always done commercial lending, right? So even on a single family, you can do a, a commercial loan on a single family. And the benefit of that is you can buy up to 10 properties on a conventional, right? So you can go out and put less than 20% down on up to 10 properties, right? Once you get to your 11th, they're like, nope, sorry, you got too many. On the commercial side of things, you can buy 10,000 if you want, as long as the numbers are fine. So on the SBA side of things, this is where things get a little little more dicey in a good and a bad way. So the SBA will only on this particular loan, because the building is not owned, they will only do up to a 10 year loan, which as you can imagine, my payment is really high. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. So my payment, um, I think, you know, I'm at the look here. Let me, let me, let me hold on one second here, boss. Uh, let's see here. Do, 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 do. Hold on a second here while everybody's going, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Where is that? Where's my PL? Where's my PL? There it is. All right. So let me open this little Excel spreadsheet up here. Okay. So where's that little bad boy at? Here we go. So my mortgage, just the mortgage, not including the lease, is a little less than 6000 a month. So I have to have a 10 year loan because it's a leased building. If it was an own building, then it, they can go up to like 20 or 25 years. Um, they're letting me get away with 10% down, which I'm like, that's wonderful, right? They're giving me working capital, which blew my fucking mind, honestly, because 
I got the cash. I got the 10% down as soon as, cause I was thinking it was a standard 20% down, like in the commercial side. No, no, no. They said, Oh, you can do 10% down. No problem. So I said, all right, well, if I can do 10% down, I'm going to do 10% down. Cause then I can have the spare cash in case of unexpected expenses. So I got that and they, um, they said, we're going to give you working capital up to X amount of dollars. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. That working capital is actually um, a touch. We're talking only a couple thousand dollars, a touch less than temper than my down payment. So in other words, I'm going in there with my down payment. Then they're going to turn around and cut me a check for almost what I put in. I think it's like, it's less than 5,000 bucks. Right. And I, I was talking to the SBA guy because the SBA guy knows my existing bank guy, my existing bank guy, wonderful dude. He's a wink and a nod kind of guy. He's, kind, he's the kind of guy that goes, listen, you write down this number right here. You do X, Y, and Z. You make these things happen. I'll see what I can do for you. But the, the, the bank, the bank relationship is probably your most important relationship in your entire life because these guys can make or break you. If you get a bank who tells you no, go to a different bank. If you go to a bank who's just, you know, maybe their rates aren't all that great, whatever, fuck them, get rid of them. You know, in fact, I've, I've talked to my bank guy um, and you know this, um, in the commercial world, paying your bills in full and on time every month is extremely rare. So, and you know, you've, you've got, you've seen invoices that are, you know, 60 days late and you go, oh shit, better pay that. You know, when you pay the late fee or whatever. About a year. Oh yeah. Constantly. So yeah. for me, I, for one of the first things I did when I got my commercial loans on all of my properties, I said, Hey, listen, can you set up like an auto pay? And they looked at me cross-eyed like, what do you mean? And I go, well, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to like, you know, be late. I'd like to just pay in full on time. They're like, yeah, yeah, we can totally do that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Great. And I'm like, yeah, just, you know, you already have my, my checking account. Here's my checking kind of information, put it on auto pay, pay it, you know, pay the payment on the day it's due. And when I was talking to my bank guy, he said, I'm basically a unicorn. Nobody does that in the commercial world. And I said, well, here's the thing right now, I owe you about a million dollars. Right. And so I owe you a million dollars. Well, I don't want to owe you a million dollars. I want to owe you $50 million. I want to buy buildings. And I'm not talking about buying, oh, I got a little apartment building. I'm like, I'm talking, I want to buy skyscrapers eventually, dude. I want to buy shit that people just go, wow, you own that? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I own a 30 story fucking building. I own, you know, this shopping center over here. I own all this stuff. And I says, and you're not going to loan me that fucking money if I don't pay you. And he goes, yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so Having that established relationship is super important. So anyways, the SBA guy works in the same bank that he does. And we were talking and he had said, you know, the bank, because it's, it's a leased building, that's where the rules change a little bit. They can only do up to a 10 year. And because of the numbers that he's got, the, you know, I've told this before, he's got to hit certain numbers before they say, yes, I had right. a meeting with my broker, had a meeting with my bank all together. The broker was like, hey, you don't have any problems with me? Nope. Uh, the, he's got enough money? Yep. His credit score is great? Yep. 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 All the way across the board. And he's like, all right, cool. So as soon as he hits his numbers, he's golden. Um, the SBA has its benefits. And so if I go in and I go to buy an existing business, then I can get those same numbers, right? So the only issue though, is the SBA wants collateral, right? 
So they're going to want collateral basically equal to what you've got. So they're going to want to take like equity in one place or another, you know, blah, 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 which is fine. Um, the only problem though, is that at some point you're going to run out of equity of things. Right. So I said, well, what happens if that happens? And he says, well, it's kind of up to the bank. He says, uh, you know, you could owe them a million bucks and be just fine. He says, you could owe them 50,000 and they may not be fine. He says, but the fact that you pay in full and on time every month, that really is, is important to them. So I don't think you got anything to worry about. Um, because I told him, I said, you know, ultimately, you know, the comedy club is great, but, and having more comedy clubs is even better, but who's to say, I may, I may pull them aside and say, listen, I want to buy this shopping center over here. I want to buy this apartment building that's a skyscraper in downtown, you know, I want to buy, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so, you know, the website that I go on, and I'll show it to you offline, the website I go on, they've got businesses all over the place. Like you can buy a welding shop, you can buy a, um, a warehouse, you can buy a, they even have like FedEx routes. I didn't know you could buy a FedEx route. Oh, yeah. yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. So ultimately, um, you know, the comedy clubs are great. I think that, you know, assuming that I get the ones that he's offering, I'll probably pull in around 200 grand net when it's all said and done across those. And then at that point, um, you know, I'll have a couple of, of options. One of the first options is that the, buying out that existing um, competitor. And if they're open to that idea, great. I'm more than happy to do it. Um, if they're not happy with that, then I may end up doing a, uh, a comedy club here locally. Um, just because in the city that I live in, there is no comedy clubs. It just, it doesn't exist. There's some over in Portland, but not, not up here. So whether or not we go down that road, I don't know. Um, but then of course, there's the other question of um, what other businesses are out there. I found one and I'll show you offline. They want roughly $6 million for it. Now, if they let me get away with it, now there's a whole bunch of what ifs, but if they let me get away with it, I could potentially put only 10% down, right? If I'm putting 10% down $600,000, right? Which I, I might be able to swing, maybe, right? Um, there'd be a lot of what ifs on that too. But their net income, according to them, their net income is $2 million a year. So in theory, I could put six hundred thousand dollars down and have two hundred or have two million dollars coming in, basically making four hundred percent of my money, three four hundred percent of my money. Which why, that point, why is it only six million then for it? My that guess, I'll show you offline. My guess off the top of my head, because businesses sell differently than real estate does because real estate is all about cash flow and things like that. Businesses have their own little set of problems. And so hmm. when I was looking online, the, the, the businesses, like you would think, Oh man, I could put, you know, a hundred thousand dollars down and you're making a hundred percent on your money. You know, the, the business pulls in a hundred thousand dollars a year and you're looking at it going, what am I missing here? You know? And, and cause I, I'm in the same boat you are I'm like, wait, something's yeah. wrong. Right. Why would yeah. you give up? Why, if you're making $2 million a year, why would you sell it for six? Right. And I was talking to my cousin who owns a company and he said, that's pretty common. He says, you basically, it's like three years and I might be butchering the, the formula, but basically it's three years of gross revenue or no, it's three years of net revenue plus the cost of inventory um, 
is basically what you get, right? Uh, oh. is what, what selling price is. Well, I was like, mm, okay, that's fine. So this particular place, six million is about right. Because as, as he's telling me the formula, I'm looking at it going, yeah, okay. In fact, if you want, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you offline about it. I'll show you some of the ones that I've seen. And you look at it and you go, I got to be missing something. You know, you, you, there's obviously you're going to have to run the business, right? For me, if I'm going to buy a business, I need to know that the, the people are in place, the managers are in place, that they really don't need me for anything other than like big decisions, right? Like, hey, we're get, we want to expand out to here and we need to, you know, build another building or, hey, um, you know, the, the accounting people found a discrepancy, you know, we need to, we need some decisions made, you know what I mean? Mm. Kind of like the, kind of like the big man at, uh, at our, at my old, but your current office, you know, you, you walk yeah. into the building, you know, his office is kind of blank and you're like, dude, you're there. And, you know, he's there, he makes some decisions, he makes some important decisions, but, uh, you know, the day-to-day operation stuff is kind of ran by somebody else. So why did you want the comedy club? I've never asked you that yet. Why'd you pick a comedy club versus like a welding shop or um, well, market center? Or, you know, shop? So I've been a stand-up comedy fan forever. Um, I was 15 years old when I watched, uh, well, I, I, I can go back even further. I watched Eddie Murphy Raw and Eddie Murphy Delirious in the theater back in the 80s. And then Sam Kinison came out and Sam was a little different for me because um, you know, you're 15 years old, you're going through the standard bullshit. Now to be fair, I'm going, you know, I'm in an, in a, an environment where like dysfunction is completely normal. Right. But, you know, he basically had the, the act of here's a whole bunch of really fucked up shit that just happens to apply to you. And, you know, it applied to a lot of people and here's why it's funny as hell. Right. So I had my aunt who I absolutely love, but she's a religious whack job. I had, you know, girl troubles, you know, you're 15, you know, you go out with a girl for two weeks and that's a long relationship. You know, you got, um, you know, drug addicts who are parts of your family. You have all these other horrible things. Right. And so Sam took all of that and made it really fucking funny. Right. So I had always been a fan of his. Well, then that kind of expanded me into, you know, watching other comics. So, you know, I'm watching like the John Caparulos and Kyle Canaan's, you know, mid-grade guys that, you know, if you saw him, you're like, hey, I've seen that guy before. Where have I seen him before? Um, and then like, I really got into Bill Burr lately um, and a few other comics. Well, anyways, so I've always been a fan of comedy, right? <laughs> then I've got um, the, the business back end of running rentals, you know, running the back end shit, blah, blah, blah. And the two kind of naturally went together. And when I was talking, I forget who I was talking to, I was talking to somebody and I says, yeah, you know, one day I'd love to own a club of my own. And at the time it was just kind of a fleeting thought, you know, it was like, oh yeah, one, one day, whatever. And it wasn't really like a dream, but it was more of like, a, this would be kind of cool. And then when I, when I saw that guy on Investment Joy on YouTube, it really kind of came out and I was like, wait a minute, I wonder if I can buy a business, right? And this guy was running... Uh, car washes and laundromats and I was like well I, you know, I can run a car wash who gives a fuck right especially if it's like one of those buggy washes that you really don't need anybody there for right you know pull up on a Saturday fill up quarters and just soap and leave you know and I happened to flip through in the state that I have all of my businesses and did a I did a sort by price and you saw you know businesses that were 20 million dollars and you go okay cool whatever and blah 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 
scroll, scroll, scroll. And as soon as I got down to this one, I went, oh my God, there's a comedy club for sale. And it's really rare when comedy clubs are for sale. And having it be in the same state that I'm in, having it be, uh, having me have a um, uh, banking relationship, having, you know, existing people that I know and trust live in that state uh, and wanting to own a comedy club and having the, you know, being a, a fan of comedy, all those things kind of lined up. So it was kind of one of those things that like, just kind of naturally fit together with one another. Um, only way I can kind of describe it is if you all of a sudden, uh, you know, somebody called you up and said, Hey man, uh, listen, you know, we got this business for sale. Uh, they sell stogies and Harleys you in and you'd be like, yeah, all right, let's have a seat. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. I know that, um, the town South of us, they had a Harley dealer and it sold a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And then I just learned that the one up North of me just sold too. And man, I tell you, that would be like a dream job for me. Like, what do you do for a living? Well, I get to sell Harleys all day long. Yeah. 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 Oh, darn. Exactly. And is, and the thing is, is that, and I'll show you offline, I would not be surprised if you couldn't do that. I mean, yeah, it, you, you can do, you can do a I, nationwide search if you want. You said I need 20% down, though. Uh, yeah, unless you go an SBA loan. If you go an SBA loan, then you might be able to get away with 10%. And they're not as expensive as you'd think. Really? Okay, I would just well, say, I would just okay. say it's, it's not, it doesn't hurt anything to look. <laughs> okay. okay. So the reason why I say is because, so let's say, um, and there, there will be a difference. There'll be a difference between, you know, if the Harley shop um, leases their building or if they own the building, right? So there'll be a price difference and there'll be rules differences, right? But if like, let's say they lease the building and they've been in the place for 30 years and blah, blah, blah. And the guy may only want say a million bucks. All right, well now you can get away with say, okay, well I got a hundred grand. All right, well, hundred grand's a lot easier to come up with than 200 grand, you know what I mean? Hey, so do you know why businesses lease their buildings instead of owning it? Yes, so there's a couple of different types of leases. One of the most common leases is called a triple net. Okay. So triple net is, um, I forget what the N's stand for, but it's NNN. So a good example is like your local fast food joints. Almost none of them own their buildings. Here's why. So they can go in and lease the building for X amount of dollars, right? Which is typically cheaper than owning a building. And then they can make any changes that they want. Now they're responsible for these things, right? So the building owner gets the benefit of just saying, hey, listen, Burger King's moving in and I don't have to touch a fucking thing, right? Taxes, furnace going out, roof, all that shit's all taken care of by Burger King, right? Now, Burger King, the reason why they like it is because they can say, listen, business is going good. You know, we want to expand a little bit. Maybe we're going to put in like a new fryer and, you know, a new, you know, a new freezer or some shit like that. If they were doing a regular run-of-the-mill lease, then they couldn't do that, right? They, they would have to go to the, the landlord and say, hey, listen, we want to do X, Y, and Z. And the landlord would be like, man, you know, I'm, I'm cool, whatever doesn't happen that way in this regard they can just go we want a new freezer so we're going to go buy a new freezer and they can have a new freezer by saturday they don't have to do anything right um the additional benefit is it allows them to have um the ability a little bit of flexibility so let's say 
um they're they're humming along but they're just getting their fucking teeth kicked in right um bad location um you know burglaries whatever right they can then decide you know what this business this place just isn't for us anymore we're gonna go to the next place right well if they have one uh, uh you know place a and that's turning into shit they can you know walk around and say hey, listen i found a better place at place b and place b has uh, you know a few hundred bucks more a month in rent but it's a way better location so they can literally just go okay cool we're letting our lease expire and they can just jet they don't have to worry about selling the building getting it back into shape you know uh fixing that one wall they've been meaning to get to they can literally just get up and just wander off to the next building so it gives them flexibility and a few other things now there's pros and cons to it some people like owning the building that they occupy some people don't um i'm personally of the notion that i like owning the building that i have um you know, dealing with somebody who's, you know, if I've got a lease on a building, um, you know, long-term leases are one thing, you know, then you've got a, a known quantity, right? Like I can say, okay, yes, I know that my payments are five grand a month or whatever the fuck it is, and that's it. Um, however, um, if you're in a spot where you own the building, if the business goes out of business, you can, you still have an asset that you can sell, right? So you can go, well, shit, you know, we got our teeth kicked in, this sucks, whatever. I'm going to go ahead and just um, you know, move on and, and sell the building and kind of recoup some of my losses. So what you described, I sort of understand. Mm-hmm. My question is, what are the tax advantages to leasing? Because the company that you used to work for, mm-hmm. you know, is a decent sized company. Yep. I do not see how their money ahead leasing a building that is very expensive. I, I, I've never heard like the exact number, but I've heard it's a lot. I I don't know the exact, exact amount, but I know ballpark within two grand, if you want to know. Well, that's what I mean, though. How is that financially sound after a couple years when we could have built a building for that much? Yeah, yeah, we could have. Um I, you could not build knowing where our headquarters was. The number that I heard was $60,000 a month. Yep. I, yep. That's what I heard. Yeah. So a lot of uh, fucking money. It was totally. Yeah. It, it's somebody's salary every year, every month. Yeah. Well, every, every freaking month. Yeah. So the, there's, there's benefits in where they are from a perspective of if you want to wine and dine a client, right? So when they go in and they say, hey, we're going to, you know, woo this, you know, guy who wants us to build a shopping center or whatever, right? right? He walks in and he sees that big, beautiful building. He goes, wow, look at this big, beautiful building, right? So in that regard, that's great, right? It's because there's no way that we would be able to afford, I don't know if what our payment would be on a building that size. Like if we owned all the, you know, all the floors and everything, you know what I mean? I think it's probably right. what, a $10 million building, maybe more. I don't know what it costs. Uh, I mean, I could see the concrete on that building being like probably four or five, just in the concrete. Really that much, huh? Okay. That, that, build, that building's probably in the teens to low twenties, I'd guess. Okay, so assuming you're, assuming it's a $20 million building, just keep round numbers, right? I remember seeing a, uh, a, um, a formula that basically 
your payment on a million bucks ballpark is usually five grand a month, right? For every million dollars. Yeah. So if that's the case, then, you know, you multiply that out by 20, then you're spending a hundred thousand dollars a month. Now to be fair, you got the entire building rather than one floor. And you can rent the other floors out for 60 grand a month. and Yes, you, yes you could. Um, but that also ties us to that particular place, right? So yep. the tax advantages, I don't know. I, I'd have to talk to my CPA. And that's the other thing. I have getting into rentals and all this other stuff. I have people who work for me that, you know, it really sends the message home that I'm an adult. I mean, even though I'm in, I'm in my upper 40s and fast approaching 50, I still feel like a 14 year old, you know, making all, you know, dick jokes and things like that. But, um, <laughs> yep. but for me, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a spot where I look at it and I go, you know, I've got CPAs and attorneys and, you know, all, you know, I've got real estate brokers and tax folks and just all these other people who fucking work for me. And you go, Jesus Christ, I, I'm an adult. And I hate it. <laughs> well, they say guys never grow up. So. Oh yeah. No, I mean. no, no. In fact, I watched, um, if you do a search, uh, on YouTube, do a search for, um, uh, Beavis and Budhead gone shooting. It's, uh, the old ACDC oh. tune of gone shooting from when they did uh, Beavis and Budhead do America. And it's like a two minute clip. And I just laugh like a fucking maniac. I have seen it dozens of times. I don't know why, but I laugh like a fucking maniac every time I see it. And it's just because they were doing just dumb, stupid shit and loved it. Hmm. So, yeah, you know, although I did see that they're bringing that back. They're bringing Beavis and Budhead back for two seasons. Hey, do you, do you feel like movies are just duplicating each other recently? Yeah, they do that. In fact, um, uh, when Spider-Man came out in 2001, I'm like, oh, a superhero movie. Great. You know, there's something different, right? Because they were putting out like action movies and shit like that. And I'm like, okay, cool. But it, like the movies that have been coming out lately, it's just been nonstop Marvel fucking movies. And it's, and I've seen, because Disney will come out and they'll say, here's our movies for the next five years, right? And it's literally just, they took all the superhero movies, because I haven't seen like the last three or four of them, or any of the Avenger movies and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I haven't seen any of them. I just haven't had a desire to see them, you know? Well, um, you and Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah, I haven't watched any of them. Oh my, okay, even my dad liked those. Oh, really? Okay, I'll check okay. those out. I'm, that's, I, so I watched Guardians of the Galaxy right. a long time ago, like probably a year after it had been out, Right, and I remember thinking to myself, "Star Wars knockoff." Ah, okay. And for just for whatever reason, I'm like, "This movie sucked." Right. And so, about a couple of years later, I was working at my steel job, right. and my boss at the time was going off about Guardians of the Galaxy two. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I will give it another shot. It's like if this guy who's much older than me liked it, I must like this. Right. I watched number two. I'm like, oh, this is cool. And I rewatched number one. And I've been a fan ever since. I, I freaking, I love it. And I love Chris Pratt. And he, he's, he rocks. Yeah. Right. But um, no, it's, I, I, I feel that same way too, though. It's like, they're just duplicating movies. And I can't even tell you all the Avengers ones because they made so many. And I just, I lost interest after a couple. I'm like, it's the same plot, dude. Yeah. And that's, that's I, the I just, kind of thing for me. 
So, so do you like watching old movies? Oh yeah, yeah, I love watching old movies. In fact, um, there's a, a couple of local uh, cinemas around here, and what they'll do is um, they will typically around you know after summer, you know, towards September, October, right around there. What they'll do is they'll get a lot of classic movies and they'll play them, and then I'll go and watch them. So like, um, I want to say it was about two or three years ago. They had Indiana Jones, Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, like all these like, yeah, oh yeah. And my buddy and I, we were, I was flipping through the internet and they were like, hey, we're playing Ghostbusters this weekend. You want to come? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I do. And this is a high-end movie theater, right? It's like 20, 25 bucks to get in. And oh. it's got, you know, 8K screen and, you know, Dolby Atmos. I mean, this is a state of the art. And went and saw the original Ghostbusters, cackled like a maniac, loved all of it. And the thing <laughs> is, I've watched these movies a million times. In fact, my first date I ever went on with a girl, I was 10 years old, and I took her to see Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> and I was a pimp. <laughs> it was funny, too, because uh, I asked my mom to drive us, because it was only probably you know, mile and a half down the road or some shit like that. My mom drove us and dropped us off. And then we watched Ghostbusters and I laughed and I thought it was great. And then just kind of went off. But the problem I really have lately is a lot of these, a lot of these remakes that they're doing just come across as woke bullshit. Like the 2016 Ghostbusters with the girls. Oh my fucking God. No, I did watch that one. I I tried to get through, I watched the first 20 minutes of it and it was the most garbage bullshit I had ever seen. Like, and there are very, very few movies I will turn off. This one was so bad. I got this movie for free and still felt ripped off. Like Leslie Jones, I don't know what it is about her. I fucking hate her. I absolutely hate her. She's got this, you know, this annoying black woman shtick that you just kind of go, it's a complete turnoff. And mm-hmm. even when they announced it, they they said, "Hey, we're doing a brand new Ghostbusters." I'm like, mm, "You're fucking with a classic. You really yep. shouldn't." Like, it's not like you know, like if Ghostbusters was made, like let's say Ghostbusters was made in like the 50s or 60s. All right, you might be able to get away with it, right? But you're fucking with a movie that people have seen in the theaters that are still old enough to remember, you know. And so, yep. it's like, mm, I'm not so sure on that one. And then when they said we're making it with all female cast, I was like, "Oh, this is gonna tank." This is absolutely going to tank. And sure enough, I was right. Um, but I just, there's something about it where they have to insert, you know, hey, check it out. We've got a woman in this one. Hey, check it out. We've got a black girl in this one. Hey, check it out. we got, and it's like, you don't put somebody in just because they check a box. Put somebody in because it either helps a story or they're an excellent actor or it adds something, you know, because if you just do that, it just, it comes across as really disingenuous and people can see through that bullshit, you know? Do you like Jimmy Stewart? Jimmy Stewart. The, the 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 old 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 actor from like the 30s and 40s damn straight the real, real when yeah, actor, yeah yeah so have you seen mr smith goes to washington i've only seen uh like clips oh, dude so my dad bought it for me right and you want to talk about something that hits home for now like what's going on in washington how everyone's just bought off right and I mean, I forget, I don't know what year this movie was made in. Right. But dude, I mean, this poor, I mean, Jimmy Stewart plays this schmo. Right. Who gets roped into a Senate seat. And just how everyone turns on him in a heartbeat because he won't check the box that he was told to check. Right. And oh, it was such a good movie. 
just oh i just oh. see now i'm about to check it out yeah i just, well, I just you've got to watch that and so then a short yeah, clip was my dad actually met jimmy stewart oh really okay he knew his brother oh okay i didn't know that so back in the day or he didn't know him i mean he wasn't like friends with him but my dad used to own a dairy queen with his brother back in the day down in Damn, I want to say Dallas, but it wasn't Dallas. Right. <coughs> Sorry. And Jimmy Stewart's brother would come through the Dairy Queen. Right. And he, my dad says they looked and sounded just like Jimmy Stewart. Right. And every once in a while, his brother would visit and he'd come through and he actually got to like meet the real Jimmy Stewart. Nice. Like, oh, that'd be so kick-ass. Oh, totally. Yeah, you don't see actors like that much anymore. You know, I don't see a lot of actors who, you know, portray like manly men and are manly men. You know what I mean? Yep. Like I, I see a lot of guys, and I'm just like, mm, I, I, you're, you're fake. You're a fraud. There's something wrong with you. You know? Well, they're um, like, um, well, can we say act? We can say actors' names, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can. You can be like freaking Liam Neeson or whatever his fuck name is, who like yeah, makes yeah. a living off of gun movies. Oh yeah, yeah. And, I gun as shit. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, did you hear about? I think it was Para Ordinance that actually pulled their guns from his movies. No, that's great. Yeah. Back back in the I forget, you know I forget when I read articles, but I think it was after the first, maybe the first Taken movie. Right. They used like some of their guns, and I guess gun manufacturers will basically give you know Hollywood their guns, you know, for yeah. publicity. Absolutely. And, and he came out anti-gun afterwards, or he like spoke at some anti-gun conference or whatever the fuck, and they pulled it. They're like, you're never using our guns again. Good. Fuck them. No shit. Like, screw you. Like, you're, you're making million, billions of dollars off of our product. Uh-huh. And it's not good, though. Then why are you making a movie using it? Why don't you use sticks? Exactly. That's the one Go, thing I was laughing about, too. That and the uh, the other ones where um, you have these uh, politicians or not politicians, but these actors. And the thing, the problem is, is that really these actors they're surrounded by people who tell them how awesome they are and how profound they are all yeah. the time, and they don't understand yeah. that they live in a bubble. I mean, to be fair, the bubble is the size of Los Angeles, but extend beyond Los Angeles, no one gives a fuck what they have to say. And so when they come out and they go, "Hey, check it out, man! I think you really ought to do something." years ago they might be able to get away with that you know 10 20 30 years ago they might have been able to, to say hey listen you know be nice to people and buy this product and blah, blah blah and that might have seen an actual blip to everybody but the pandemic which you know has actually had a lot of positives in it in that people are kind of realizing that these people are full of shit and it's so glorious to watch did you ever watch those two horrific videos that they put out where the first one was um where they all sing Imagine, the old John Lennon movie, or old John Lennon song. Tell me you've seen it. Have you not seen it? Uh, I I might have act. My brother might have sent me that, but I okay. don't remember it off the top of my head, no. I'll watch that. Earlier. And there's a video called I Take Responsibility. And oh. it's these politicians, or these uh, yeah. people. What's that? Yeah, seen that bullshit one. Oh, my God. They made the mistake of posting that and leaving comments on on YouTube, and it got hammered. People were like, "You self-indulgent, self-aggrandizing pieces of shit! Fuck every one of you!" 
And the one that I absolutely love, there were two of them. There was some actor. I don't even, the other part, funny part was when I was watching through this and I'm like, I don't recognize some of these people. If you're not that great of a celebrity, if I don't recognize you, right? But um, <laughs> there was one guy, he has a beard and he's got, I think he's got like a little beanie cap on and he looks like some just self-important douche. And um, they were talking about, I take responsibility for this and this and this. And one guy goes, I take responsibility for telling jokes they weren't so funny at the time. And I'm like, oh, fuck you. And uh, the other one was, um, i never seen Breaking Bad, but he was in Breaking Bad. Um, Jesse, I think his name is. The, the kid. I don't know. Oh, kid? Dude, I, so I, I tried to watch Breaking Bad because back in the day when I was a welder, right. my loved Breaking Bad. Talked about every, you know, episode. Oh, man, this one. And honestly, to me, it was, it was too realistic really okay. for me it was and i don't so i have a particular movie taste and like show taste right and it was it was very well put together right and acting was great it was it was a great show i just don't like i don't like seeing that part of society mm, all right fair enough but yeah anyway J- jesse or whatever you're saying yeah oh yeah he no he um he just overacted <laughs> And he was just, I take responsibility. And I'm like, you're not William Shatner, calm down. <laughs> yeah. But people are but people are basically you know, seeing that these celebrities are full of shit and they don't they don't want to talk to them anymore. They're just like, you're you're not that important. Calm down. And so well, my, my thing is it's like you're being paid to entertain somebody. Right. I don't care if you vote for Biden. I don't care if you vote for Trump. I care about going to a movie and enjoying it. Uh-huh. And yeah, the people that want to sit there and shove their politics down your throat, I'm like, I, I feel the same way as um so I was working as an intern at an electrical company back when the NFL first started the taking the fucking knee during the anthem oh, yeah, show. Yeah. And I remember I mean it's a union job, obviously, and you know, union people are more left wing than right wing right. for the most part. And so this guy, he was going off about how awful it was. Um, and I flat out asked him, I'm like, dude, <coughs> like, aren't you a liberal? Right. And he's like, oh, no, I totally agree with what they're saying. I do not want in my fucking sports. Mm-hmm. He's like, when I watch football, I'm watching a sport. Yep. And he's right. And which, which I totally, I'm like, well, we disagree, but we agree on it doesn't belong there. Right. And I wasn't there a thing back in the day that um, after 9-11, didn't a couple NFL players or a couple sports want to do some like commemorative pins or like colors for either the troops or like law enforcement? And they wouldn't let them fucking do it. But they wouldn't let them do it. No. But then all of a sudden, oh, we can take a knee for Uh because black lives matter more than a white person or a yellow person. Well, I was, um, they, they, people were bitching about Kaepernick not getting signed and they were like, oh my God, it's because of all this shit. And I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I says, I'll put it to you in the most simplest terms that everybody can understand. Okay. He was, and I don't follow football, but this is my understanding of it. Right. He decided to take an option on his contract and go to be a free agent. Right. Now, when you do that, everybody can bid on you. Right. But at this point he had already started taking the knee. Right. So people are kind of like, ah, I'm not so sure. Right. Well, then they basically blackballed him 
And so everybody's like, you know, this is bullshit. This is censorship. This is freedom of speech, blah, blah. And I says, well, let me, let me explain this. I said, how about you go into your office tomorrow and do something, anything, it can be completely legal, but do something that pisses off half of your employer's customers and see if you still have a job by the morning. Well, I don't follow it enough probably to venture an opinion, but I've also heard that he's not that great. Yeah, I've heard that too. But I'm 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 more of the notion like you took a you took an action that you knew was gonna piss people off. And so when you did that, you you you've pissed off your employers customers. And if you do that, nobody is gonna keep you. And because you're so toxic and because you're so um, you know, and you know this, you know, if you're a professional athlete, you know, you're, you only have a finite amount of time yep. uh, available to you. So you're going to piss him off sooner or later, he gets rustier and rustier and rustier. And then Nike signed him for some astronomical amount of money, like $30 million or some shit like that. And he was, uh, yeah. he tried pretending that he <laughs> risked it all. And it's like, Oh, fuck you. I love that. He was raised by rich white parents. Of course he was. Yeah. Those evil devils. <laughs> I know. You know, the, I'm, I'm waiting for the day when people actually, you know, I was raised, or I'd, I'd like to think I was raised very non-racist. Right. You know, I judge people by what they do. I don't care what your skin color is. Mm-hmm. I, I judge a person after I start talking to them, not before. Mm-hmm. And I'm really waiting for a day when an employment form or, you know, just forms you fill out don't have sex mm-hmm. or race. I remember there was a something where there was a lawsuit. Now I'll have to look it up, but there was a lawsuit. I think it was brought on by Asian kids because Asian kids were not getting into high end uh, universities like Harvard and shit because they They're were not at- getting into Harvard. Right, they weren't getting into Harvard because they were allowing lower scored um, black kids in, and so they were like, "Hey, this is this is wrong, yep. this is bullshit." And then, of course, when they say there were, so, I don't know if it was all universities or a lot of universities, there were some universities saying that they were going to get rid of the SATs at period. And I'm like, California "Are you did. out of your mind?" California did. God, my God, it's like well, so asking for that. The back. Honest, so I never took any college placement tests. Mm-hmm. And it's because I started a community college yep. <coughs> with um, ties to Oregon State. Okay. And so I could, and I don't know, I never researched all the doodads in between, but right. I could literally just transfer if I graduated with an associate's. Right. It was an automatic, you're accepted into OSU. Okay, fair enough. Which to me seems fair. Right. So ever, I was lucky I never had to take an SAT or right. whatever else test um but yeah i heard that california did away with those i'm like dude mm-hmm. you know and see i'm also against though um i'm against a weeding out class right and i heard i never had to take it at oregon state because i took it at my class of community college which was a great school by the way mm-hmm. um <clears throat> you know their um physics class at Oregon State, I hear is a basically a weeding out class. It's like we're trying to get people to quit. Mm-hmm. And I never, in my head anyway, that never made sense to me because, like, when you go to college, 
it should be the same as any other school where it's like you go there to learn something, not, well, we're going to make this so hard that only certain people can make it. Right. And that always pissed me off so much because, oh, my God, I heard stories from some kids about, like, their tests. And I'm like, dude, I never even heard of what they're testing you on. Right. And I fucking A in my physics class. Right. And I've never even heard this shit. Like, oh, yeah, it's their weeding out course. Yeah, so weird. Yeah, that they would do something like that. I'm always the notion that, you know, if you need an essay, you should not get rid of SATs because here's the other problem. If you get rid of the SATs, what's going to happen is, is that other other countries like China who aren't doing that shit are going to bypass us. Sooner or later, they will absolutely bypass us and it will bite us in the ass sooner or later. Well, haven't they already? Not really. Um, the, the problem is, is that you have places like um, uh, China. They've been sending their kids to here to, um, uh, to, to our universities. And the reason yep. why is because we do a shit ton of research and development here. And those uh, are used for military applications. So they go, hey, listen, if I send you know, my kid over here, guess what? I can spy and get uh, access to a lot of, you know, cutting edge technology. And there's been a lot of students and teachers who've been caught over the years. Yeah, I've heard those stories too. And it's like, come on guys, you know, get your shit together, you know? Well, that's why to me, a university should not be research. Right. Or at least not, not entirely. I'm sure I'll, someone will comment or say that, well, you have to research researching is fine right but so you did you ever go to college i forget uh i went for a little bit but nothing earth shattering now okay so i unfortunately went right and i definitely i just to paraphrase i will never think down on anyone who did not go to college you know that. oh absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I, I think i think college is the biggest overrated piece of shit on the planet mm-hmm. and but I so loved my community colleges that I went to because the teachers were there because they wanted to teach something. Right. And it was such a night and day difference between a teacher and a community college and the Mm -hmm. university. I mean, I had two, two that I can remember their names and a third, I'm so sorry, I forgot her name, but I had three instructors in, you know, what, four, and basically four years at a university that I actually respected. Right. Everyone else, they didn't give a rat's ass about you. Mm-hmm. And it was because, and I actually sat in one time on a, um, like a job interview. Right. I forget what class it was for, but I had to sit on, on a job interview for a new instructor. And none of it had to do with your teaching ability. Mm. None of it. It was all like, what are you going to research and how are you going to bring us money? Mm, yeah, that would turn me off real fast. And dude, I tell you what, the, my community college instructors, I'm really bad with names. Right. But I mean, I had every one of them was freaking great, would bend over backwards for you. You could show up at their office anytime they'd answer questions, mm-hmm. sit down with you. It was so different. I, it's the, the kid, I really feel sorry for the kids who, um, you know, they're brainwashed from day one that you have to go straight from high school to university. Oh yeah. That's why because I- you're, you're missing a real teacher at a college level because 
I had a math instructor at Clatsop. Mm-hmm. He did my um, oh, uh, calculus classes. Right. I can do calculus now, but I could. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, he had a, I think he had a photographic memory. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, he was a smart son of a bitch. Yeah. Just, I mean, he could list stuff just for verbatim, just, I mean, teach you so great. And God, you get to fucking college. And I mean, I hit university, dude. And it was the first time I did not get an A. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, I was freaking, I was an A and I think I maybe got a B plus once. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It was my break class. Yeah. It was when I was an automotive still. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I went on to get paid to do brake jobs on cars. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, it was the first time I, I got an F when I hit the university in my first term. It happens. Well, that's why I liked uh, Mike Rowe when he was, uh, he, he came out and famously said, college isn't for everybody and it doesn't need to be, you know, I mean, he was nope. talking about jobs that, you know, that granted they're blue collar jobs, he says, but they're blue collar jobs out there. You can easily make a hundred thousand dollars easy. You know, you, you know, he was talking about, I think it was Caterpillar, um, the, the, you know, the heavy equipment folks. Caterpillar and a bunch of other places that we're talking about how, you know, hey, we need, you know, highly skilled, technically advanced people because these machines aren't, you know, when you think of a tractor, you think of this, you know, old rust bucket piece of shit. And it's like, no, these things are million dollar pieces of equipment that have GPS and sensors up the ass and computers. <laughs> and it's, it's a real machine. And People don't understand, you know, yeah, you go there, you keep your nose to the grindstone, you pay attention, you don't mouth off, you can make a lot of money. Well, where we, where you worked and I work now, dude, the freaking um, carpenters that work for us, they all make more than I do. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, it's jumpier. You have to move position, you know, you have to move locations and stuff more, drive more. Right. But when it comes down to just hourly pay. Mm-hmm. They make way the frick more than I do. Yeah. Which, I mean, obviously I think I should make more because I'm me. But, right. I mean, it's there's some great paying jobs out there. And it's totally what, he, what Mike Rose says. I mean, no one, you've been brainwashed your whole life that you're not supposed to be a carpenter. You're not supposed to be an electrician. You're not supposed to be a plumber. And they're great paying jobs. Yeah. My buddy... Can, uh is an electrician up until last year um he made on average ten dollars an hour more than me yeah. and yeah. and you're like jesus christ dude and yeah he's like yeah i'm making 50 bucks an hour whatever and i'm just like jesus christ he was he was rolling in cash for a long time but he also is kind of the notion that um you know his certain things were important to him and so things like hey i need to get home by x amount of time i need to do y amount of things blah 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 and he would tell him, like, listen, I don't want to be your foreman. I don't want to be this. I don't want to be this. And and these were things that would clearly get him further along, make more money, whatever. And he's like, no, I don't want the stress of it. I don't want to deal with meetings and bullshit. He says, I want to come in, wire some shit, and leave. Yeah, I've met a couple of those where we work, too. And I, you know, honestly, dude, I totally respect that, too. Oh, yeah. There's, there's something to be said for climbing the ladder, but mm-hmm. there's stress and anxiety that comes with it that absolutely you don't need but on the other flip side of that Mm -hmm. we're hurting for people who will actually do that kind of work you know go the extra mile yeah and it's it's getting hard to find people who will do that Mm -hmm. well and it boils down to what we were just talking about though you know there's not enough people there 
And if there was more people, there'd be more people who wanted to be a foreman, wanted to be a superintendent. Yep. Well, yeah. like where we used to work, you know, I would always tell people, I'm like, you know, I'm in IT and part of the pressure of working in IT, especially when you're part of infrastructure is I have to do my job perfectly. In fact, I had uh, um, calculated it out um, at the time, every hour we were down. And I'm when I say down, I mean like people could not do anything, right? Every yep. hour we were down cost the company $156,000. And so that's when I was telling people, Mike, nobody understands, you know, the gravity of how perfect we have to do our job. And that's one of the reasons why we split a bunch of things out. So if any one thing went down, it wasn't that big of a deal. It's like, oh, hey, the print server went down. All right, well, I guess we can't print for an hour or some shit like that, but you can still do other things. But yeah, I mean, you know, for me, I got pretty high up in the food chain. And then when it became clear that, you know, it was, it was not going to be what I thought it was going to be. And, uh, and, you know, things started turning against me. I'm like, nah, this place ain't for me anymore. And honestly, my new place, holy shit, is it ever fucking cake? I walk in and I'm like, Hey, we need to do X, Y, and Z. Cool. Why? Because X, Y, and Z, we're going to do A, B, and C. And they go, okay, cool, man, make it happen. And because I have all the experience from the previous place, it's literally like enable this, enable this, turn this on, do this, 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 and you're done. You know, in one of your previous episodes, you were commenting about when COVID hit. Yeah. And how people came to you like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you said like, it's no big deal. Yeah, it's no big deal. And honestly, I, I never would have expected I could have told you that and I wasn't owning the business. Yeah. In fact, that's the, one the thing. way everything, the way everything was set up, the way you guys had it all planned out was mm-hmm. sheer genius. Thank you, sir. <laughs> it was, well, it was, I mean, you were, well, you already planned for working off site. Mm-hmm. Just for so the what, of what we what's do. the big deal? Yeah. For me, the other thing I was worried about, you know, just in the nature of what we do, cause you know, we, you know, we got guys out in the field. So it's like, all right, well, they need to do that. And then the other thing that I was worried about was I was always paranoid that one day I would come into work and the building would be on fire, right? Fire trucks, the whole nine, the place is burnt to the ground. And so I was always paranoid that there was going to be some kind of event that would put us out of business, honestly. And so I started moving things out to where that was a non-issue for us. So then when COVID hit, it was literally like, well, we're already mobile. We already have everything offsite. You know, you, you know, if you need access to some internal thing, which is pretty rare now, jump on the VPN. And so they were like, oh, thank God. And it's like, yeah. So I basically have saved your asses and you're going to turn around and, you know, try to shove me out the door, you know, a year on. All right. You know, it's weird how companies preach the you know mm-hmm. our employees are everything but you're not we're not you've seen that little who we are card <clears throat> um, can i comment on that absolutely it's too fucking long yeah i i i forget the name of the company now shit but their their little statement was so nice and sweet making the impossible possible I'm like, that's supposed to, you're supposed to have a saying, dude. And then what really got me was a couple months ago, we were having, you know, a meeting. Right. Someone made the comment of, 
Well, my hooey, our card is really marked up because I have to think about it all the time. Like I make notes and make sure we're following it. Oh. <clears throat> and the thing is, I've read the hooey, our card. I did not memorize it because that's all about being a honest individual. Right. You don't need to think about your who we are card because that's who you're supposed to be anyway. That's basically the golden rule in 20 different statements. Yeah. And that's one thing I noticed with that. It's not that big of a deal. As soon as I started reading that and they were talking about, I've been in meetings where they were literally going over a word. Like, well, what do we mean by this? Yeah. Like, yeah. oh my God. And, and and the thing is, is like, I would have a weekly meeting with, you know, very high end people. And I'm looking around the room going, this meeting on average is costing roughly a thousand dollars an hour. Am I At least. Getting, yeah. Am I getting a thousand dollars worth of information out of this? Fuck no, not even close. And so when I'm looking around, I'm like, this is just a meeting that powers it be used to basically jerk themselves off you know what i mean it's like listen let me talk to you all about leadership and let me bestow upon you my wisdom and it's like oh fuck you i was doing book reports i told you all about that right i haven't heard the oh yeah i think you told me a little bit what gets me is they hired this consulting company of course they. which i was i was actually kind of I was for that at the beginning because right. they had a little presentation down at the uh, conference that I'd gone to. Right. And I'm like, oh, this place, this might actually help. Right. But the thing is, they don't include everybody on it. Mm-mm. And I'm like, so what am I supposed to be getting from this? Mm-hmm. You're not, you, and I've, got, I've heard no reports on what they go over. Meeting minutes, nothing. I'm like, and then, yeah, screw it. What the hell? And some of these consulting you, companies. What, what, did you, what did you think of our yearly evaluation form that we had to do? I hated it. I absolutely hated it because the evaluations should basically be not a surprise, right? You, yep. you know if you're doing a great job, you know if you're fucking up, right? Damn straight. But I, I still had to do these. Um, I actively hated one of my employees. Um you know which one. Um, and, and the reason why was because he was such an arrogant motherfucker and he thought his shit didn't stink. And when he made a mistake, he always would have an excuse as to why he made a mistake. Um, it was never, he was always snotty with people. Um, and it got, it came to a head to where I was, I was about to fire him, honestly. Um, yeah. And then I've got another employee, you know him. Um, he's the one that hurt his knee. You know that one, right? Uh, you, you finally heard. It. I didn't know if I should tell you or not, so I didn't tell you. About it. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, he uh, he. Uh, I forget. Uh, I forget who told me. Somebody told me, but uh, yeah, I called him like, "Hey, dude, how you feeling?" Blah blah. blah. You know, you need anything? I'm happy to help you out. That guy, yeah. sweetheart of a man. In fact, I made sure every single year he got a bigger bonus and bigger raise than anybody on the team, just because he finally deserved it. The guy was clearly a yep. rock star. He was always yep. on top of shit. Never told me no, which I, there were even times where he could have told me, you know, like, Hey man, you know, I know it's, it's, you know, four fifty-five, but I need you to take care of this one thing real quick. And he'd be like, yes, sir. No problem. And I'm like, shit. Okay. So I made sure I line his pockets, you know, yep. hey, I'm going to get him a, instead of a 3% raise, he got a five or an 8% raise, you know, instead of, you know, a $2,000 check, he got a $5,000 check or some shit like that, you know? 
So yeah, he was a sweetheart of a guy. In fact, I even told him, and I, I, I believe this to this day, if I ever need um, a, uh, another employee, like if I need somebody like him, I says, I will poach you in a minute. And he's like, really? I go, yeah. I says, you're that good of a dude. Well, I didn't realize it until I started working where we worked mm-hmm. or you, you worked, I worked now. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize how rare a good IT team was. Oh yeah. Yeah. I got, I got that comment a lot. And at first I was like, okay, thank you. And it, you know, when you get a comment, it's kind of weird, you know, but, um, oh, it is. yep. Yeah. yeah I'm, the same way. I'm the same way. But it was, I got that compliment a lot. Like they were like, Oh man, you have no idea. You know, there are people who would say, Hey, I can't print. And they'd be like, great, put in a ticket and I'll get back to you in two days. And it's like, I got to print yep. now, you know? No, I couldn't believe that I could just call up somebody mm-hmm. and they literally drop whatever they were doing and get me running again. Well, yeah, because you're out there, you're, you're the customer. You're the one that's important. You know, you're the one building buildings. Yep. No, my wife, where she works, it is the atypical IT thing of, well, you fill out this thing and, you know, in a day or two, they'll get back to you. And she's like, I'm down and I cannot work right now. Uh-huh. Exactly. Well, we'll get to it. Exactly. And, oh, my God. And I, I really feel like we're going to lose that soon. And it's so going to piss me off. Absolutely going to do that. I guarantee it. Yeah, because there's going to be a procedure that needs to be followed. Yep. And the thing is, there the my boss, the new boss, um, we had a thing where we were replacing laptops every three years because it was like, listen, I got a guy in the field making $70 an hour, right? So if I got a guy in the field making $70 an hour, you think maybe his machine should be top of the notch, right? And he would literally say, well, you got to justify your your." <laughs> Like, no, dude, no. And even then, you know, he flat out said, you, I was running the budget uh, lower than what he would expect it to be. So I'm like, if I'm running the budget, you know, lower than what it needs to be, why are you busting my chops? Get off of my fucking back. And you know, that hey, they hired, and you know that they hired that new guy, right? Have you, have you ran into him yet? No, I haven't had any dealings with him yet. Hey, you can say hi to my wife. Hi to the wife. Hi there. <laughs> how's, your, how's your ankle? Um, it's not as painful as it was once, so I'm I'm happy. <laughs> if you don't heal up soon, you know we got to shoot you, right? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> at least I won't be in pain anymore. Yeah. Come on, girl, time to go for a ride in the car. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I got the sidecar on order for the Harley. I don't blame you. <laughs> With an ejection seat. <laughs> That's good to hear. Yeah, I, I I know that they hired that new guy and uh, to replace me, and I, I get the feeling that he's just going to be just a shit show. It's going to turn totally into office space. Yeah, I need to watch that movie. Uh, yeah, you <laughs> totally do, dude. Because yeah. there's just too many too many things I've seen, and the 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 new boss, he just uh, I, I tried giving him a chance, but he's just such a you know such a dude from office space, just a yeah if you could do that that'd be great it's like oh, yeah. i hate you so much so yeah all righty boss well i gotta get to running my ways uh pinging me about so yeah we've probably been on too long haven't we yeah, about two hours no worries oh good okay. yeah, exactly all right brother well you have yourself a good night well hey man it was good talking to you, you good. Too. another time all right yep have a